pray before we begin. Father, we get to explore your word once again. We, need, we get to open it and proclaim it. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us the ears to hear what you have to say to us, that your spirit would remind us of the words of Jesus even as we are reading it in the Gospel of John. May we see um, the character of Jesus, which means the character of God in this passage, your love for us and your grace for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Alfred Acne, who was a long past hymn writer uh, who died in 1960, he wrote these words. Sing them with me if you would like. It goes like this. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, He's always near. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives where? Within my heart. This morning we are continuing our series in the four chapters sort of near the end of the Gospel of John, John 14 verse, uh, through the 17, where Jesus takes his disciples, these men who were with him for all of his ministry, and he pours out his heart for them. This takes place in the upper room in the Gospel of John, which is really sort of the modern-day equivalent of the living room that we have in our houses today, which I imagine some of you are in right now. These words in the upper room from Jesus to his disciples and now to us were told most likely maybe 10, no more than 15 hours before the crucifixion. And so, with Jesus knowing this, he is preparing the hearts of his disciples to not be troubled. Not just be troubled, not, not just not be troubled at that time, but forevermore for their whole lives. And I believe going through this series that Jesus is doing the same thing for us right now, giving us reasons upon reasons upon reasons to not worry. As he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. As we approach John 14 again, as we've been doing this for the past few weeks, I want us to realize the disciples at this time are most likely confused and worried. In fact, you can see that in their responses to Jesus during this time. They have heard that this man named Jesus is going to die. The man that called himself God, who called himself the Son of God. The man who walked on water and healed the lame. The man that prayed and suddenly only with a little food fed thousands upon thousands of people. The man who was and is the promised Savior since before the foundation of the world was going to die. And I say this because I want us to see in the words of Jesus, in his kindness, he is truly telling his sheep to not be troubled. And for us today, with a pandemic and other fears in our hearts, we need to understand the weight of the disciples at that time 
and also feeling the weight of our anxieties come off when we, as we'll learn in this passage, obey Jesus. This morning, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be exploring in one sense what that hymn, He Lives, was all about. And as I like to usually do in any sermon, I want to ask you a question to answer. The question is this. What does it mean to truly love somebody? What does it mean to truly love somebody? Now, a lot of things go through our minds when the pastor, the preacher asks this, or when anybody asks us this question. What does it mean to truly love somebody? We perhaps think of people who truly loved us or loves us right now. Parents, siblings, spouses, great friends who have gone out of their way to love us, to help us. This morning, we get a clearer picture on how Jesus calls us to love him as he repeats one thing three different times. And when Jesus repeats something, we ought to pay close attention. So take your thoughts and assumptions of what it means to truly love Jesus to Jesus himself this morning in the word. John 14, 15 to 26, which was read by Kathy a little while ago. Let's open to there. John 14, verse 15 first. It says this, If you love me, keep my commands. Stop there for now. If you love me, keep my commands. Have you ever heard the phrase, actions speak louder than words? Actions speak louder than words. Here's a story about that exact phrase from Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley, who's a pastor down in the States, he tells this story of when he was 13 and he started to learn the meaning of that phrase, actions speak louder than words. His dad, you may know, is Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley was the associate pastor of a Baptist church in Atlanta. And when he was the associate pastor, the senior pastor was asked to resign during that time. Charles Stanley, being the associate pastor, was asked to preach on Sundays until a replacement could be found. As Charles Stanley began to preach, the pews began to fill, young couples started to return. Even the youth ministry started to be invigorated and grow and volunteerism grew to an all-time high. There was this new sense of excitement within the church. Yet, even though this was the case, some of those longtime members in the church resented Charles Stanley and his growing influence and popularity. It didn't help that there was a grassroots movement started to elect him as the new pastor eventually. The old guard thought he was too young, too evangelistic and too spiritual, emphasizing a personal relationship with Jesus. The power brokers started to uh, want Charles Stanley removed. People started to take sides. It was very messy. Two weeks before the vote to either hire or even fire Charles Stanley, one deacon named Deacon Myers walked up to the pulpit on a Wednesday night as the Wednesday night service began. He started to talk about this growing controversy. And as he did, horror upon horror, he even swore from the pulpit. Charles Stanley, after this, walked up to the pulpit and said these words, you need to watch your language. 
With clenched fists, the man responded, you need to watch yourself or you might get punched. Charles Stanley didn't back down or step away. All of a sudden, Deacon Myers reared back and punched Charles Stanley in the face. Charles Stanley did not retaliate. It was his dad's response, Andy Stanley's dad's response to all this that marked Andy for life, that he didn't retaliate to this. Andy Stanley says, in this moment, I want to be that kind of man. From that moment on, it didn't matter what anybody said, because actions speak louder than words. What Jesus says here points to that phrase. Maybe not necessarily to that event, but definitely to that phrase, that actions speak louder than words. Now, this does not mean at all that words don't speak loudly or we are not supposed to use our words in any way to express our love for Jesus, because we are. But in a sense, Jesus is saying here, if you love me, if you desire to follow me, then obey me. If you love me, act like it. Before we go any further, verse 15 brings up the question I want to try and answer through this message. And really a question that we've been trying to answer through all of John 14. This, how does this help our troubled hearts? Remember, Jesus begins this chapter with saying those words, do not let your hearts be troubled. And this is the question that will help guide our thoughts as we go through these verses this morning, because Jesus repeats this so many times. But here are a couple of first reasons why I think this helps calm our troubled hearts. Number one, the commandments of Jesus, they point all to Jesus. Let me say that again. The commandments of Jesus point to Jesus. Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus fulfills all that has come before, all that has come when he was here, and all after. It all points to Jesus. Number two, 1 John 5, 3, a verse I've mentioned before in the sermons here, reveals the opposite of what we usually think about God's commands. It says, in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. You see, to obey the commands of God is actually a joyful thing. Perhaps it may not feel like it, to forgive those who seem to be enemies, as an example, may not seem burdensome in the moment. But as we obey God, our burdens are lifted and we see Jesus for who he is. So as we go forward, let's truly think about love and obedience in regards to what it means to love Jesus with everything that we have. Verses 16 and 17 says these words. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. Keeps on going on. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit. 
Now, regardless if we've grown up in the church or if we're a new Christian, we all have ideas of who the Holy Spirit is. We know who Jesus is for the most part because we can relate to him because of his humanity. We know in many ways who the Father is because of his title as Father and the repetition of that throughout the whole Bible. But the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, may seem a little stranger to us. When we think of the Holy Spirit, we may think of big Christian revivals where people receive Christ for the first time. Perhaps you think of big and large Pentecostal gatherings where for the most part Pentecostal churches emphasize the work of the Spirit more than Congregationalists or Baptists or average evangelical churches do. My challenge for you this evening is to lay all of those aside, whether they are true or whether they are false, and instead see what Scripture has to say about the Spirit. And for this morning, how the Spirit relates to keeping the commandments, the Word of God, and how all this calms our fears and our hearts. These two verses that were just read are truly Trinitarian. Jesus says here that he will ask the Father to give a helper, which we hear of the next verse is the Spirit of Truth. This Trinitarian work reveals that God is truly for us and not against us. That God the Father sends us the Son, and in believing in the Son, we have the Spirit, a helper. One that Jesus says we will know because he will dwell with us and in us. So right now, if you are in Christ, if you are a Christian, born again by the work of the Spirit, you have received the Spirit who dwells with us and in us. This is far from being an alien being that lives in us. We now have the Spirit of truth dwelling in us, one who helps us. But exactly, what does the Spirit help us with? Number one, I think this is what it does. This is where our third point comes in. See, the Spirit helps us keep the commandments of God. It helps us keep the commandments of God. Right? I think there's a reason that Jesus says this right after, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then says, it will be a helper that the Father will send. I believe the Spirit helps us keep and even empowers us to believe and keep the commands of God. We aren't alone in trying to obey God. God himself, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit helps us with the commandments of God. Jesus says more about this in verses 18 to 20. He says these words, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father. I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. You see, Jesus isn't leaving the world like a father would potentially leave his kids and never come back. He says he will leave, but they won't see him but his sheep will. 
Because Jesus is going to live, we also live. And in the day when Jesus rises, that day called Easter that we celebrate once a year, we fully understand that Jesus wasn't just a human, but that he was God in the flesh. And that for those who trust in Jesus, he will live within us. Live within our heart, as that hymn says. This may be the greatest reason for us to not have our hearts be troubled. For if Jesus lives within our heart, the Spirit of God dwells in us, why would we have to worry? Verse 21 is the next time Jesus repeats verse 15. Verse 21, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. See, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Again, here is this connection between the Father and Jesus. Earlier in John 14, we understood that to see the Father is to see the Son. And now we will hear all who love Jesus will also be loved by the Father. Here, Jesus doesn't just simply say, keep my commandments again. He adds, has my commandments. So it isn't simply just keeping them and obeying them. It is also having them, meaning knowing them, having them on our hearts and our minds. One of the disciples at this time, Judas, not the one who betrays him, asks a question next. And notice that throughout this whole chapter, John, the one who recorded this gospel, showed that there have been disciples who have been asking throughout this whole chapter. Philip, Thomas, and now Judas. Verses 22 to 24. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Like Philip before, it seems like Judas here isn't quite listening for how he asks, how will you manifest yourself to us and not to the world? when Jesus just talked about the spirit of truth. And the way that Jesus typically responds, he doesn't give a short answer. He says again, if anyone loves me, anyone, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we, that is the father, the son, the Holy Spirit, will make their home with them. This is the third time we hear a variation of verse 15. But this time I want us to notice that Jesus isn't saying, Keep my word, and then I will love you. It's rather, if you love me, the overflow, the evidence of that is keeping my word, my commandments. And the evidence of one who doesn't love Jesus is one who doesn't keep the words of Jesus. As verse 24 says, you see, obeying Jesus is critical to loving him and showing the world that Jesus loves us. Verses 25 and 26 really get this passage wrapped up well. It says, All this I have spoken 
while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Here's where we get a couple more details about the Holy Spirit. Number one, he will teach us all things. Number two, he will bring to remembrance all that Jesus has said, all that Christ has said. Why are these important? And how do they relate to keeping his commandments and keeping our hearts not troubled? You see, by teaching us all things we need to know, we can in confidence follow the commandments of God. The Spirit helps us follow Christ by reminding us of what he has said and done. And in this way, we can be completely free of all worry and be reminded of what Jesus has done and what we are in light of what he has done. And as we close this morning, we're not even done John 14 yet. And yet, God has been teaching all of us things about the truths of Jesus and now the role of the Holy Spirit in our life and in particular, in our life in a time of worry and stress and definite frustration. As Christians, we want the word of God to transform our whole being. And I hope it is doing that right now. Taking apart any false thoughts about who God is and revealing to all of us what it means to trust and obey with the Spirit guiding us every day. Let's not take these words as mere words, but the very words of God and of our Savior who is continuing to remind us of the state of our hearts. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe it and live in that truth, church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for everything that you are doing, the invisible things that we can't see and the visible things that we can. Father, I, I pray that through this message, through the proclamation of your word, that we would dwell on um, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives this week. That we would see the Holy Spirit as not something to be ignored, but rather a part of um, the Trinity, the, our Trinitarian God. Father, we thank you for this time. May you be with us, and may you be given all the glory for the song that we will sing and the way that we will progress as this week goes on. In Jesus' name, amen.